0: Hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, of course, I'm sitting with my best bud, Tone. What's up, Tony? What's up, buddy? Hey, man, we're sitting in uh, the Temple Paul Mitchell School in Frederick, Maryland. Yeah, it, right. It's a beautiful school, gorgeous. I mean,
1: aside from the school, the building is ridiculous. You yeah, know, it's, it's an old Masonic temple, I think is what they said, and and just the history that this building has, and just how amazing. The the, the the building looks, you know, it's just incredible.
0: Yeah, man. They, but they've done a great job turning it turning it into a school because uh-huh. the school itself is beautiful and the place is large. We we went upstairs to visit one of the classrooms and I I can't believe how huge this class no it's like you
1: know? i uh I, I was getting a little anxiety because like as you're walking around the building i don't i'm not really sure where i am in the building and
0: <laughs> we we rode in the oldest ele- uh working elevator in uh in state, state of maryland, maryland right, right? yeah you know that that's cool. gotta be one
1: of the oldest in the country then if that's the case right i
0: don't know but I mean, that was cool that was pretty cool
1: That was yeah, very cool. that's I tell you what, I was really impressed with, and that's when we first walked in this morning. That um, they were taking roll call, and like we were kind of thinking back, like, remember those days when we, were, <laughs> you yep. know, when they you know, had to take roll. But um, the amazing thing to me was that they were actually celebrating their wins, right? Like they went around the room and like, hey, what are you up to? What are you doing? What are you here? Um, you know, what, what's going on today or this week? Or I, you know, I was only halfway listening, but people were like, oh, I get to do makeup for this, or I'm helping out on a photo shoot here, and it was just like this really rewarding kind of um, kind of environment. And I just thought, I thought, I honestly thought it was incredible. I mean, if if way to if,
0: empower the young ones, right? And way to encourage them. You talk about motivation, right? You're you're celebrating. And, and they're just starting and, and you're, and you're celebrating the journey already.
1: It's pretty amazing. I mean, if, if we spent more time celebrating the wins and not, uh, you know, pointing out one's faults, yeah. then, you know, we would be, I think we'd be a bunch better as people, you know, aside from an industry. So yeah. enough
0: about you and I, bro.
1: <laughs> you want to get into it? Yeah. Is that the time? Okay. So, uh, so our guests today are Charles and Sharon Riser, and they are the owners, I assume of, of the temple, um, uh, Paul Mitchell temple, right? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Charles and Sharon, welcome to your day off.
2: Perfect. Well, thank you guys for having us. Thanks. Guys. Um, thanks for being at the school this morning. I love to hear the feedback and the excitement and and that's kind of the the way we like to start our mornings around here. So we're excited to have you guys here today with us.
0: Yep. I'm sorry, Ken.
3: No, I was saying uh, we, we, you know, we do that. You saw the, the future professionals doing it, but our team does the same thing. Before the future professionals get here, we get here a half hour early and download for the day, but we call it sharing our victories, and we go around the room, and everybody gets to start their day off by talking about something really awesome that happened to them the day before.
1: That's incredible.
3: That's man. brilliant.
0: It's wait, so brilliant. But wait, to, you know, when you go to school and, and you go through hair school, wait to instill such positive... Uh, positivity in the young people at the beginning, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There's so many, t- you know, things that you know. I re- I remember hair school, and a lot of people were complaining, but this is comp- it was completely different. You know, mm-hmm. when, as you said when you pointed it out, you're listening, and it's like it was just nothing but encouragement. Yeah, you know, it, it was beautiful. It's, I, so,
1: it, it's so weird because I think like as 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 school owners or or, or you know like guidance to our youth or whatever i need to go there but you know how many of us you know get to are are, are, are pulled along right and like how many people or how often do we um do we need to hear i believe in you you know and that's what i heard you know it didn't matter what they were doing but i believe in you and i believe that you're on the right path in there and and i think that that you know potentially can be the most empowering
0: thing ever but before, i guess before we uh get into the temple story let's uh learn a bit learn a bit about you guys where are you guys from
2: well, this is home for us and Frederick, and uh, we have been business partners and married, and just celebrated 22 years of marriage this Congrats. summer. Congrats! Thank you.
1: Th- th- there's a win to celebrate. That's a huge win. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, so we couldn't think of you know each other's different better business partner than what it is that we have. So we get that opportunity to do this every single day cool. to come to a you know job that we love. Mm-hmm. You know and. Uh, being around an amazing team and future professionals so that energy it's a pretty cool thing
3: yeah you know um one of our uh partners in the business when clayball says that we get to do things in this industry that other industries don't do and and aren't allowed to do and and you know we we met at uh, our family's business uh longer than 22 years ago <laughs> um when we started going out it you know Sharon talks about being married 22 years we've actually been together for 25 years and we've work together and live together and shared our life together so it's you know you don't get to see that a lot a lot of people don't want to be around each other a lot and we just really enjoy each other's company but it's you know it's not easy but we you were Mm -hmm. talking about some of the stuff we do in the school and that's for us one of the biggest messages to our future professionals is that you know you can society seems to say that we can't have these nice stable relationships and yet you know Sharon and I can work together and hang out together and raise a family together and and travel together and, and still do this 25 years later, and it's it's pretty awesome. It was a really wonderful opportunity for us.
1: That's amazing. Where did um, you guys meet? You said it's your, your family's business. What uh, what kind of business was that?
2: We actually met uh, at his family's salon, so I kind of fell into the industry by accident, uh, fell in love with the business side of the industry, uh, had worked there for a couple years. Right. Uh, it just so happened that we ended up working out at the same gym together. Uh, and at the time I had moved to manage the salon, and uh, it was kind of funny. His parents said, um, are you dating her? And he's like, absolutely not. You, <laughs> I wouldn't you, date her. You can't date the employees. <laughs> and, can't, can't uh, date
3: employees. And
2: his parents were like, well, we really like her a lot, but if you ask her out and you screw it up, uh, you're getting fired and we're keeping her. So needless to say, he did not screw it up
3: <laughs> were, Hairdressers were uh, easy to replace. Uh, salon managers uh, were not, the message Mm -hmm.
2: so are so are are you a hairstylist i am not uh a hairstylist uh i fell in love with the industry like i said kind of by accident
3: Mm
2: -hmm. uh i can remember i went to my first show Uh, at that time it was davison's um and had the opportunity to go to the first show and just fell in love with the people i fell in love with the industry um i fell in love with the energy Mm -hmm. uh and you know my dream was to always get into fashion industry and i immediately was like you know i never saw myself behind the chair uh but i just fell in love with the people and i fell in love with the industry and and, you know the whole sales side of it and that's really where i've stayed primarily in my career
0: and her story is not uh rare you know what i mean there's a Mm -hmm. lot of people in our industry that has a very similar story they just happened to, to fall into the industry and fell in love with it yeah no doubt what um what were you doing prior to uh to finding the industry
2: Um, I had actually just got accepted to go to a fashion school and uh, I was going to get into fashion merchandising. And I had to delay that. And, you know, for me, I could remember walking into, I always share with my future professionals, uh, going into that hair show. The thing that was ironic about it was when I had gone with the salon team and they had invited me. Uh, the first show that I had walked into, I could just remember there were thousands of people in the room. Right. And it was actually Robert Kermings, who is the global artistic director for John Paul Mitchell Systems yeah, yeah. Now. Um, and it was so ironic because I met the original owners of the distributor, uh, the sales rep, you know, a lot of the people that we actually deal with on a daily basis now in business.
3: I like met still, like still, still today. So Twenty five years 25 later, You started
2: like, that relationship as well. I have those relationships. That's amazing. And without those relationships, I mean, I, I think about now where I would be in, in business, and so it was a really cool thing to be able to go in there. And little did I know that you know when Clayball would walk back into our life like seven years later and have the opportunity to open up a palmetto school and and to be able to be more involved with with the company that truly was my first hair show experience
1: that's that's once again saved yeah. so
3: Charles, you, did you grow up in the in- industry so my mom uh, mary louise she was she'd been a hairdresser since she was 14 years old in washington dc um, she went to what we now call career in tech but back then was called Votech uh, <laughs> I remember. learned how to cut hair and and like a lot of women of her generation in the 1960s when it became time to raise a family she stepped away from her job my dad was the primary breadwinner of the family and and uh, she did hair on the side. That was how our family always had fun money, I like to say. You know, my mom right. cutting hair. But I never thought I'd be a hairdresser. I, I went to college for computer science and physics and got out of college and was working in the computer industry. And when uh, we all went to college, the deal was my dad would sell his engineering business and my mom would start her salon. And so they swapped roles. And I got to college. The salon here in Frederick was doing really well. And... Uh, my mom needed a computer network installed and i'm like yeah i know how to do that i can i can help you out mom which at the time was one of the first Macs, which Lily been installing it was like plugging it into the wall and turning it (laughs) on thanks steve (laughs) it wasn't a a huge job but i did it and and uh it just turned out that day the receptionist didn't show up and she's like hey since you're at the desk installing that thing do you mind just answering the phone i'm like yeah sure I can do that and being my mom one thing led to another and you know the the honey do list kept getting bigger and right finally she's like hey you know one day would, would you like to learn how to do hair i can apprentice you i'm like hair I'm like, i never really thought i would do that right turns out i was really good at it turns out the 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 math logic side of what i did for a living works really well at section angle accuracy and all the things that we need as a hairdresser to duplicate stuff so i apprenticed for three years under my mom got my license that way and The rest is history, so...
0: Wow, that's an incredible story. So I always tell
3: people, imagine I had my wife on one side of me and my mom on the other side at the beginning of my career. <laughs> that's, that's how I got. So you know, you always hear Gino tell those stories about why he went to beauty school because of all the girls. I didn't have that. Uh, right. The <laughs> two <laughs> most important women in my life worked on either side of me. Right. Well, I would argue that you did have all the girls uh, you just
1: to be your wife and your mom. <laughs> right. So you guys worked in the. Uh, you worked. Together in the salon. Yeah. Right. And then um, and then did you guys like did you have an idea that you would open a school or like how that's wh- uh,
3: another funny story. Well, yeah. one of the things
2: story. one of the things that we were seeing at the time in the industry, and this was probably like I guess the late 90s, early two thousands, was that we were watching people leave cosmetology schools and they were coming to apply and they literally couldn't even make eye contact with us. They didn't even know how to shake somebody's hand. They couldn't carry a professional dialogue. Um, Their skill set was extremely lacking. It was almost like we had to go back to apprenticing them. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it was over 50%, I would tell you, of people were just dropping out of the industry, period. And we could see that that was a definite challenge. And we knew if we wanted our business to grow, we were going to have to solve the challenge of employment. And we kind of tossed around an ideal of, you know, why don't we just open up a small school? And it was kind of funny because uh, we were like, oh, maybe, you know, we'll do it in a small room downstairs in the salon. And we thought, oh, how hard could this be? And um, long story short, as we started to look a little bit further, uh, we ended up with a 30,000 square foot building. So <laughs> so much for working this in your basement. <laughs> but the whole cool thing was, um, Charles and uh, Charles had the opportunity to go to a show where Win Clayball, who actually had started a school called Van Curtis, uh, sorry Van Curtis, in you know probably early eighties, I believe he opened it. Um, they were trying to take Paul Mitchell's schools on a national level. So I'll let Charles share that story because he was yeah. the one that that actually got the opportunity to be. Able we clean. were
3: we were backstage at the Baltimore Hair Show, and and some weird stuff had happened for the show, which got us down there, mm-hmm. and uh, Wynn was like, hey, this is really strange, you know, our industry has still got a long way to go, we're still not there yet, and I said, yeah, that's, it's, you know, this doesn't seem to be changing, and he's like, well, you know, John Paul and I, we got this idea, and and you know, we want to open up these schools, would you guys be interested? I mean, this is literally a backstage conversation, and I'm like, sure, why not? And mm-hmm. He says, well, great, fly out next week, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Right. See, see what we're doing, I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, fly out, come back, and, and the school at the time they had built in Costa Mesa was stunning. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. They had taken over an old movie theater, but it was huge. It's like 15,000 square feet. I'd never seen a cosmetology school of this size. Right. I told Sharon, I got home, I said, yeah, we can't do this. It's too big. It's There's no way we're going to be able to afford that kind of money. I knew what the costs were. And that's the thing with Sharon and I is that um, we're... Literally opposites. I'm in our industry or in our company where I'm called a math logic or a thinker. So I ponder and think. And mm-hmm. Sharon is um, a driver, which means that she jumps. And so we work very well together because of that. Like I, she pushes me and I hold her back and we, we balance. Sharon goes, Well, I'm going to go out and see this place. I don't, you know. I, in I, Costa, Mesa, in Mesa. Costa, Mesa. Costa Mesa. So right. she flies out and she walks in and calls me immediately and says, Yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. <laughs> right, we're we're, we're going to make this happen. And I'm like, okay. So that's what she was saying. We went from this little five-student-a-year idea to all of a sudden we needed a, a space. So
1: so back, to back up a little bit, so you guys were training five students a year?
3: No. No, they we're no that was just That was just in the idea. Okay. That was just our idea. We knew right. the salon. I mean, it's a barrier for any salon, even today. I mean, I could spend another three hours talking about the, the growth of our industry versus the growth of hire, hireable staff members but uh, we knew that the barrier to growth of the business was going to be quality team members and so we said we'll we'll just solve that by doing it ourselves uh and then we walked in and toured this place it was up for sale we knew the guy that was selling it and said hey we've never been inside it's a masonic temple like you said women were never allowed in it so sharon was like one of the first women to ever come into the building
1: whoa 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 the I mean, let's fix. just, like, let, let's absorb that a little bit. Yeah. That's amazing. Up because, up. because hold on, the building was built in 1890. So, you, right. so so like, what year did you come back? Did you check this place out?
3: 15 years ago? 16 years ago? So, so we're talking 2002? Yeah, about yeah 2002. 2005 when we officially opened, but 2002 when we started the process. So, yeah, from 18 so 1890. So 115 years. Before a woman was allowed to walk into the main hall. What you guys were just at
2: women wow. were allowed on the first floor they were not allowed on the second floor and higher so they would hold the american and the americans of the daughter the daughters of the, the american, american revolution, revolution were held on the first floor but all of the other programs that were just full males could only go on the second level and higher so it's still to this day it's really kind of cool to have a piece of history in your own community, how many people are just like, oh my gosh, you know, my dad used to come here. Or, wow. I was never allowed up there. Can I just see what what the rest of the building looks like? So it was really kind of cool when we found
1: that That's this. amazing. That's and then you go walk
0: through. It's cool. like hmm, I'm one of the first women to walk through. Here. That's, yeah. nice. <laughs>
1: That's, That's pretty nice. cool. That's pretty cool. So so well, I mean, let's back up a little bit. That's fine. What the hell happened to the the, the like? Why was it available? I guess is the question. The
3: Masons. The the short version of that is the Masons got old, um, <laughs> and, and really, if you notice, I mean, there's each of these floors is really two floors. So there's split stairwells going up. So every time they had to get up and down something, they had to go walk. And there's no downtown parking. And so they actually built their own temple out further outside of town. It's mm-hmm. in one area, and the building was up for vacant. And no one. It's it's a unique space. You can't put offices in it. You can't you put retail space into it. It's very strange. And and so we got in line to bid on it. And that that in itself was a strange story. We we had a bank fully lined up, not a local bank, that uh said yes and we hired everybody. We were in the process of breaking ground. This thing was moving, man. It right. was a multimillion dollar job and and we, we were a month away from it on vacation in Scottsdale, Arizona. Actually we were at a harms conference, Harm's software conference yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at their user group conference and we get this phone call saying that somebody higher up than them pulled the funding. Now we had just hired everybody. Like we had broken, we were ready to break ground, like everything and they're like we're, we're walking, we're not doing this and we came back in a panic and well, a, local, a, a local bank, Frederick County Bank mm-hmm. here in Frederick, uh, a wonderful woman by the name of the niece sat me down and she's like well why didn't you come back to me and I said well you said no and she goes no I didn't say no. I said, not the way you asked. You were asking for too much money. You should have come back. We would have talked about the process. And so she put a whole package together, got for their loan committee, which was just six individuals, and said, when she sat down, she said, well, how many people at this table, because it was all guys, mm-hmm. uh, no Paul Mitchell, and nobody said anything. So she said, OK, here's what we're going to do. I'm gonna, We're going to table this. You guys are going to, we're going to do this again next week, but we're going to table it right now. You guys are going to go back to your offices, go back to your houses, and you're going to ask every woman you know if they know Paul Mitchell, because we're not going to have a conversation about the value unless you guys understand the value proposition and why the bank should invest in this. So she got got a yes out of the loan committee, and, and we laughed, though I don't know how, to this day, I couldn't tell you. We were young kids with a barely you know two cents to rub between us, and... Denise went to bat for us, and and we talk about relationships. Frederick County Bank has been our partner for 15 years because of that. They said yes. They said yes when other people were literally sitting in a loan meeting. mean we had another bank, another local bank, sit us down, bring us in. We thought they were going to say yes, and they they sat us down and they said, look, we just brought you in to tell you that basically you guys are out of your mind. You have no business doing this. You need to go back to just. Being mm. hairdressers,
1: what dicks! You're <laughs> out
3: there, and and to this day, we we I have that letter. I have the the thing. And every once in a while, someone from their bank will call us now that we are successful and want to know whether they Everybody can have. I'm like, exactly. yeah, no, you had your opportunity. Yeah, nice. <laughs> 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 uh, well,
0: I mean, that's you're you were in the right place at the right time, right? I mean, if you haven't had to be in Baltimore that day, you, you would, we, have
3: would have never went us We were at Baltimore that day because. There had been a mistake at the hair show, and the relationship we had with Paul Mitchell led them to call us and ask them. So it wasn't that we're in the right place at the right time. That implies luck. More importantly, it's what we've been talking about today, and I know you've interviewed Gino, and he talks about the same thing. Right. It's about relationships. We've been building solid relationships with people, and our circle has gotten bigger. And we just never, we never invalidate those relationships. We don't, you know, we, we always tell our future professionals. You never know who you're going to meet. So if you got to leave... Leave on good terms. Don't burn the bridge. You never right. know when you're going to need that again.
1: I mean, that's that's that's. Again, I think you know Tony and I were 25 years in. Like you know, that's that, that's certainly a, a good lesson because those bridges that you do burn will always come back. <laughs> to, they never to, go to, away. to haunt you. No, exactly.
2: It's very it, it's very true, and of course, it was really kind of ironic. We happened to be Frederick County's bank's first small business loan they had ever done uh, deal, uh, dealing with SBA projects. So we just this past year. Um, they came back to us and used us as the role models to push more of their loan programs. So they have us on buses and videos
0: and posters
3: <laughs> so and we get uh, these photos so from friends of... are like, hey, I was just behind this bus and look who's staring. At it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so now we do modeling gigs for the bank too. So right. which is which is pretty cool. But they're still our they're still our business partners. Yeah. So which is great. But we the thing that was ironic about the hair show was that even in the salon we were all about education, and whether it was in salon education, it was going to hair shows. Uh, you know, unfortunately, podcasts didn't exist then. Um, whether it was you know CDs or, or whatever it was, we were very fortunate because education was always in the forefront of of the company for us, and to make sure that our team stayed inspired and motivated, not just technically, but on all different levels as well.
1: That's amazing. That's so cool. So. I guess so many questions in my head. I gotta slow them down. Woo! Back up. So, uh, so the Paul Mitchell is a franchise, I assume, right? So, like, or, or is there? They how are, does that
3: partnership work? They are now. Um, the interesting story about that is that when we signed up, we weren't because we didn't know any better. I mean, it literally was John Paul and Wynn asking a bunch of people they knew whether or not they wanted to open schools with them, and we're like, yeah, sure, we'll do this. And, mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. know, it was that simple. I mean, not, not that simple, but that was the, sure. that was the business relationship. And it wasn't until years later as we started to really grow this thing that everyone went back and said, yeah, you're operating as a franchise. And so we we are a franchise model now. Uh, and it's, it you know, some of our, you know, you can you look around the building, you can definitely see the branding mm-hmm. here. But they're a really great or They allow a lot of autonomy to the independent franchises to build the relationships and things. You know, a lot of franchises say that, well, you got to have the same widget. You know, McDonald's has to have the sandwich. Right. But, be the same but we deal with people you know and the people that are in frederick are very different than the people that are in costa mesa and, and the way they need things so there's our industry can't be that cookie cutter and i think that's one of the most brilliant things that paul mitchell has done is they've allowed the schools to have a common brand but still have some amount of autonomy for their communities where they serve that's brilliant
0: it's actually genius isn't it yeah, yeah. i mean it, really i mean we all are different in the sense especially you know the community you're you're like Costa mesa uh you know even downtown uh dc versus downtown frederick i mean it is definitely a different vibe right so to have the like you said the autonomy to be able to to have your own feel and and you know being able to um Relate to your community and, and change things to to benefit them because mm-hmm. you're not really changing things to to be different. You're changing to meet their needs. Hundred percent, uh, yeah. So what uh what, what's open date?
2: Oh well, open date for us was uh, two thousand and five. And actually, it was kind of funny. Our first day we were to open in March. I believe March first, two thousand and five. Um, we had a snow day, so we actually <laughs> <had to> get... <laughs> <Yeah,
3: that was laughs> legit.
2: And uh, so we, we didn't get to open on the first day. We opened the second day, and we quickly discovered <laughs> yeah. and realized that oh wait a minute we need an in-climate weather policy being a school. <laughs> so it was uh, it was kind of funny. Dude, so
1: I'm glad we're going here. So I, I I can't imagine like like Charles mentioned like you guys didn't have two nickels and now and now all you are you're just sitting in debt at this point, right? You haven't oh. even opened your sitting in debt and like how is like I just can't imagine like and a 30,000 square foot building which I'm sure cost you more than you know $12 (laughs) you know so I I just can't imagine that pressure of like getting the kids in and 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 like I, I guess I guess we can start off with like how big was your first class and how'd you find them and and and
2: Well, the thing that was actually kind of ironic about it was that uh, at the time, we still kept our jobs at the salon. Charles was still cutting hair full time. Um, He was running operations and financial aid for the school. I mean, I I look back now, we had just had our first child, our our, uh, oldest was four months old. Um, So we were new parents at the same time. And I was still managing the salon. So I'm pretty sure between the two of us, we were working like 80, 100 hour weeks. I mean, I don't think we slept for the you know mm. definitely the first
0: As couple of years. <laughs> the, the first couple
2: of years. Uh, we were fortunate we didn't have a night school program at the time; we just had a day school program. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we at least worked at the salon at nights. But it was it was very tough. We were fortunate between his mother and my mother they they helped us out with our son. Um, but I did admissions, and I kind of got the job by accident. Um, Originally, about three months prior, we had somebody hired. My goal was to stay at the salon. Uh, I was not going to come to the school um, because I needed to make sure that the salon was still running. I didn't think I could handle both. And uh, long story short, the person we had hired for admissions was like, "I want an office. I want this. I want that." And I mean, we didn't take a paycheck for the first three years of our business. You know, we we survived on what it was we were doing at the salon, and we ended up. Um, we're just looking at ourselves like why are we paying this person that hasn't even proved themselves this amount of money and we reconsidered and I was like well okay I guess I'll do the job and I end up falling in love with it I mean I fell in love with the fact because again it was admissions right it was admissions yeah and uh fell in love with it so I was doing admissions Charles is doing financial aid and um we ended up putting in our first class seven. Now, We did not have any type of accreditation. Again, we were so new to all of this. Mm-hmm. We didn't. Even, we didn't even know how financial aid worked, how federal aid worked at that time. So, you know, at the time, we just had Sally May, um, that was in the loan business at that time for schools, and then we had. You had to pay cash out of pocket, and we weren't cheap. I think at that time we I mean, we were probably fifteen thousand oh dollars. So you know for somebody to be able to have that and the one thing that's unique about the school world versus the salon world is that in the state of Maryland you cannot advertise recruit talk about promote anything that you are opening up a school until your school is built and you have occupancy so we had this you know two two and a half year project we had been working on in no way shape or form could we talk about it could we promote it so I mean literally we had a I think by the time we had the approval, we were given almost 14 days to be able to do this. And come to find out, um, we were comparing ourselves to other schools, which we did not realize that were accredited at the time. So, you know, majority of our schools and majority schools, period, when you look at it, their finances, you know, over. 85% 85% of them are using federal aid or, you know, a loan program through the government, which we were not able to offer at that time. You have to be open for two years to be able to do that. And we look back, and we, I think we had the highest enrollment out of a non-accredited school, but I think that pressure well, was no one ever part told us of we it. couldn't do it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> like, everyone kept saying, everyone kept holding these models up and saying that you should be at 100 students at the end of your first year, 200 students at the end of your second year. We didn't realize that, that they had funding sources to do this. So we didn't know any better. And we, you asked, we spent the first six months, because uh, I was the numbers guy, and I was like, honey, if we don't put, and she was recruiting, so I'm like, if you don't put 25 people in this next class, we go out of business. And she'd put 10 in. And then we'd have to have that dialogue. I'm like, okay, see, that wasn't 25. <laughs> <laughs> we need 35. And, in the <laughs> <next class. laughs> so the next class, you need to do 35. And she'd like, look, what do you mean? I'm like, and we do 12. Like, it, it's, right. but, I mean, I don't want to, here's, these are, this. I, I'll aside when you, when you said that earlier, because the, the stories, I still look back on this stuff. I don't know how we did I honestly don't, except that you don't look up, you don't stop and stare around, you just know that you have a goal, you know you're doing, Vivian McKender has a wonderful phrase that she says, always do the right thing, even when the right thing isn't working. You just keep plugging away. And, and we had many dialogues between March and August of I don't know how we're going to do this. And we could see the fall class. We knew that that was going to be a big class. So we knew that that was going to be where we could kind of stop being, you know, the, the stuff going out faster than coming in. But we had to get there. We had to get to September. And uh, we actually ran out of money. We, we we did. We finally got to the point where um, it, it August came and and I didn't know how we were going to make payroll. I didn't know what we were going to do. And we get this phone call from the state of Maryland. A program that they had that uh, had to be match funded every year, so they didn't use the, the program didn't use the money. They wouldn't get it in their budget the next year. And right. one of the projects they had been working on fell apart. And they had two hundred thousand dollars of grant money. Sitting, and we get this phone call on August 10th, going, "Hey, we really liked working with you guys. To get the building open, we got another 200 grand in money that we got to give somebody, or else we don't get it next year. Are you guys?"
1: And this is grant money. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Are you guys willing to take it? And we're like, "You got your, back. <laughs> I got my hand over top of the 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 mic on the on the phone, and I'm like, uh, yeah, and then come back." And yes, and and it turned out, again, Talk about relationships. When we worked with these guys, we were a successful company that they were able to use on their own websites and their own promotional materials that allowed them to show that tax dollars are good work, and SBA has done the same thing with us where we keep a good relationship with these entities. And so when the time came to use additional money, they looked us up. You were top
1: of the mind, right? Yeah. Like, oh, we worked with these guys. First off...
3: Perfect timing. I
1: mean, if you... I don't know if you believe in divine intervention, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that's just amazing. I mean, that's, I, I, I don't have words for it,
3: really. So I mean, s- since then we've, you know, obviously we've, we've done a lot. Um, you know, we've, we, the SBA came to us six months into it because uh, they said that they pulled all of our money. Because they said we did something illegal, and so what you don't understand oh, pool,
1: about, like took away from.
3: But you don't understand about SBA is the SBA agrees to underwrite the loan from the bank after a certain time frame. So you, you borrow the money from the bank, and then the bank sells the loan to the SBA. Mm-hmm. And the SBA came and said that we had done something wrong, and basically we're, we're six months into this before August, and I get a phone call saying that all two million dollars is gone. We're taking it. You got to pay it back. You did something wrong. Wow and uh that was a mental breakdown that was a. <laughs> I called Sharon up and i'm like i don't know what we're gonna do we've already spent it you know no, 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 no. 15 seconds later the phone rings and it's the lady from the sba going yeah sorry called the wrong guy i'm sorry
2: what legit <laughs> like it, he, legit. it wasn't you guys charles kept so asking sorry. he's like i don't understand like I, I did the paperwork like i signed things i returned like he yeah, was like, he, he just work. didn't he just kept asking he's like there's just no way and he called me and uh the thing that's ironic about it is I think also for us we accepted we were um we won an award a couple years ago for uh entrepreneurship in Frederick County Mm -hmm. and we got recognized and it was interesting because in the interview they asked us they said did you know that you were going to be successful and we were like You know, I mean, obviously that's your goal, whether you know that or not. But we said we were smart in the fact that, you know, our advice to people is don't just have a backup plan A. Like we had A through Z. So we were really realistic at the time. And we had sat down with his mom. We're like, look, we mortgaged our house, we took our savings, like everything. So if we default on our loans and this doesn't work out and we have to close our business, that. Can we move back in with you? Like, I mean, we have a child that we still have to raise. It's more than just the two of us. We'll get back, we'll we'll pay back our loans. Well, you know, Charles would go back behind the chair. Like we would figure it out. So we spoke realistically, understanding that there would be a very real possibility that we would lose everything that we had. So if we got to that point, it wasn't like we never had that discussion between the two of us and had already put provisions in place that how we would take care of ourselves and our child to make sure that a roof was over our head so that we wouldn't just spring it on. Hey, by the way, we need to move in with you <laughs> and figure that out. Like, And I think a lot of times in business, people don't want to have this realistic conversations because it's scary it's scary sure. to go there because like you said you know you think okay I'm I'm gonna be a success well that's your goal but things happen and and you know thank goodness he happened to be the the wrong phone call you know wasn't the right (laughs) wasn't the right call but somebody ended up like that phone call you know what i mean (laughs) somebody got it that's
3: that's the secondary part of the story that (laughs) everyone always forgets is that there's after i'm glad it wasn't me but we just kept saying well who did (laughs) somebody just had their life pulled out from underneath Uh, for doing something wrong but you know another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Successful? I don't I don't think so. I don't think that was ever really a doubt. I can't think of it now. I mean we always visualized where we were gonna be, but that's also trite. I've never really believed in the whole if you if you wish for it, you know, powerful enough, you know it'll just come to you. I mean there's there's a lot of time and energy and not just sweat equity but emotional equity that goes into this. You know, people look at our relationship and they're like oh you guys you guys just really love each other I'm like what you think this is, you think being business partners and life partners and seeing each other 24 7 is easy no way <laughs> you, you think that's that's normal I mean we work really really hard for you know personal life we, we, we would tell our kids that every Wednesday night is date night we my mom I've been, we've been blessed she watched has watched our children from the day we were they were born every Wednesday night that's her personal time with her grandkids it's sacrosanct in our relationship we wednesday night at five but this team knows you don't call i mean you can i'm just not going to answer the phone (laughs) right right right. and or or check my emails and so every wednesday for as long as we've been together is our time
1: so let's um i mean you talked about how being honest was was um was so important to you know opening this so Like, did you guys have any agreements? I mean, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have disagreements as a couple. You're going to have disagreements as business partners. I mean, but you also have a lot of impressionable people outside of this glass door. Like, did you guys have agreements about how you would handle that and, like, how there wouldn't be, like, floor fights or how there wouldn't be, like... Is that a fair question? No, no it's
2: it's, not, it's an absolute fair no. question. Um, I think a lot of people in in the industry, period, uh, you know, beauty industry, you see a lot of people that are are married, or they're together, or they meet people, and you know, they have relationships. Um, I think first first and foremost for Charles and I, I, think the message we always give to them is that um, you need to be able to take care of yourself. Um, and I think especially with having a school full of of women, every day I'm aware of being a role model for them that. I always say, I don't need Charles. I want to be with Charles right. and that that's a healthy relationship. So whatever you so choose, that's important. Um, I also think for Charles and I, we are very fortunate. We've got an amazing leadership team. you know we a couple of years ago we brought a, a CFO into our company. Um, Charles and I are very uh, extremely generous giving people, um, but also you have to be able to balance that in business. So we're fortunate we have in both of our businesses our, our second location that opened up three years ago. Um, we have uh, our director down there, Jen. We have our director here, Trish. So we've been blessed to have a really solid, good leadership team. So it helps on that decision making for us. Um, but I think also for Charles and I, it's it's also okay for us to disagree. And we work with a business coach. You know, we worked with a business coach early on. Um, And we had stepped away from from working with her for a couple years, and we kind of recognized that our business, as we were going to open up our second school, we needed to have somebody that could almost be that sounding board but also help bring our, our thoughts together mm-hmm. um, and make sure that we kept ourselves moving forward in our company so we work with a business coach that she works with both charles and i individually and then we work together as well so i think a combination of all of that having a really good strong support circle is good and i mean obviously there will always be times you know we always say if if you agreed on everything one of you is not needed
0: boom so so who helped mentor you guys i mean i mean as a as a young couple i mean you know you're so focused on opening up this school who who suggested or you know you need business coaches you need you know life coaches you need i mean was there anybody that inspired or helped that's a
3: that's a difficult question to answer um you know, I always tell people my mom has always been a very strong inspiration for me. She's taught me how to be a man. She's taught me how to be a business person. My dad was an amazing man. He's not with us anymore. Uh, but he was flawed in many ways, like all of us are. Uh, but my mom didn't put up with too many things as a woman. You know, so I knew growing up I could see that. But from a business standpoint, they were they worked together. You know, they, they had their own businesses, and, and I got to see how they interacted with themselves. But really the network the paul mitchell school network win clayball has put people in front of us from day one that are off the hook and they're not of our industry so we met our business coach because she came in in the early days and did a presentation to us as school owners on this is what you can expect this is where your business is going to be then you're going to be here and then you're going to be up here and we're like oh my goodness this one really resonates with us we need to bring her in right uh a lot of people that we've Kind of mentored with have come through the professional beauty industry that are not necessarily of our industry but we've gotten in front of through the other relationships that we have um, but honestly I when you when you look at our strength finders with they we are mirror images of each other like Sharon's strengths are my weaknesses and my strengths are her weaknesses and so while we've had people that we've always been able to call and ask questions for, we find that the best thing for us is just to sit down and think it through, work it out. And like Sharon said, we don't always agree on the path to get there, but we always agree on where we want the end result to be. That's never changed. And if we don't agree that that's where the end result is, then we don't go down that path initially. But We may have different ways of getting there, but... Uh, and then it also helps, too, that I think that we, we, we live in different worlds, not different worlds.
1: <laughs> As they spend 24 hours together. <laughs> no, it's, different roles. Different, we have different, different
2: roles in the company. Roles
3: in the company. So traditionally, Sharon would be called front of the house and I'd be called back of the house. I'm compliance, regulation. I put a coat tie on, pretend to be a lawyer on Capitol Hill. I go down and meet with our representatives and our senators about legislation that meets. I sit on the Maryland Board of Cosmetology to help craft and define how the Maryland cosmetology industry works. These are things that I love and I'm passionate about. Um, so we, we tend to ham, live different roles in our, in our company, which means that we automatically come at things from different sides, and so there's not a lot of toe-stepping. We don't tend to, to live in the same sections of the company, um, but we do know exactly where we want the company to and we're also willing to change
0: that's so cool yeah that makes so much sense
1: I know like that's just amazing I mean you guys are are certainly a role model to uh, to, I think Tony and I are going to talk afterwards man because um (laughs) You know, we we too. You know, we're not you know married, married, but you know, <laughs> but you spend a lot of time together. right? Spend a lot of time. It spouses. We get that <laughs> <laughs> totally. And we're um, and same. We're like we're we're, we're polar opposites with uh, with stuff. But you know, we've also been friends since 1984 or something. So right. you know, we uh, we 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 strengthen each other as 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 I like to say, as, as opposed to weakening each other. Okay, so like I think it's I think it's enough about uh, like Sharon and Charles. Like, if you want to like, what advice can you give? Like, if you want to. Open a school Or like What What, Like how does Regulation work Or, or like What are the things that, that you need to think about Or be concerned with Or Whatever Like what are the
0: What Literally are the, Like
1: don't do it
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess what are the hurdles
1: <laughs> that, 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 that are prospective Persons that would Open a school So I think Portland?
2: I think right now You know speaking To your listeners That are in the beauty industry We don't need more schools Right now What we need Is Is more salons out there I mean right now our future professionals the, the challenge in the school world you know and again I'm not one to say you know just because we're in the school world don't open it, it the school world has drastically changed um, there have been as we've seen in the industry lots of schools closing lots of chains uh, you know we just recently it was Regency closed I mean, there's schools closing all over the country and you know I hate to say it they're they're not closing with notice they are closing to the point where those students are showing up thinking they're going to school the next day and they're showing up and they're finding a lock on the door. That literally
1: happened to our school. I saw a Facebook post about it that's like don't come to school it doesn't oh, exist anymore. Oh, perfect so that's Bram exactly
2: <laughs> that's exactly what we mean and a, for a school to get to that point and why many schools have gotten to that point is because they're... The, first of all, it's...
1: Because they need a 25 students and you're only
2: putting 12 <laughs> in the <laughs> seats. <laughs> Some of them, yes, that could be why. Um, but it is also the quality of education that's really being looked at. You know, I mean, we are by no means uh, an inexpensive institution, a lot of these, these schools. You know, today's student is really looking at the return on investment in the education. If you are training somebody to be in the beauty industry, then you need to place them in the beauty industry. You know, that is the one thing that for us, we were very fortunate. um, Placement has never been a challenge uh, to the point where we have had, we don't have enough future professionals coming out of our doors for placement right now. But because Charles and I, from day one, knew the importance of if you're going to invest in our institution, it is our due diligence to place you in that career, mm-hmm. and we have had a, a, a lot of success with that. Um, but the government has really stepped into the to the school world quite a bit. It, it's a lot more paperwork than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a I, I, lot more reporting. Not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think Charles and I have always ran and done all of that stuff. And if that's what's being asked, uh, we have no challenges with that whatsoever. Um, you know the gainful employment and all of that stuff. That really kind of lives in Charles' world more than it lives in mine. Mine is more placement, and quite honestly, you know, there's there's just I, I need more future professionals to place in the industry. The demand is that great, and what a challenge to have in our
0: industry, right? Right, really. So, when did you open up the second school?
3: Three years ago, almost ten years to the date that we opened up this one. So, wow, and it's down in uh, Annapolis, which at the time. Uh, you know again, I can give you all the data on. It. At the time there weren't any career schools on the western shore, south of Baltimore. Uh, Grand Webb was our closest uh, competitor, and they were in Virginia, so kind of a different cosmetology thing. Um, but when we did a when we looked at the area, like a thirty mile trade circle around Annapolis, there's seven hundred and ninety salons. Think about that. thirty mile radius around Annapolis. There's seven hundred and ninety salons, like, and there's no school to teach. <laughs> Anyone, how to be a hairdresser. So, we, you know, the regulatory side of this. You ask, it's not that I would ever say don't open up a beauty school. I think the number one thing I would say is just please remember that you're not opening up a hair salon. It's it's a different beast. People look at this and the, the, the clinic you guys walked into my right. in clinic classroom and they say, oh, you got a you got a sixty chair hair salon. Like, no, that's a sixty chair classroom. Like, it takes three hours for a new student to do a haircut. So you, as a guest coming in, you're not really a guest. You're a model that signed. You signed this nice little waiver that right? <laughs> says, "I understand. I may have my hair messed up because right, I'm right. being a model, right?" Uh, so when you get into the beauty school industry, you're—if you're a hairdresser or you're a salon owner—you got to remember you're not a salon owner anymore. You're an educator. You're in the school business, and there's all kinds of—I mean, I could—we could spend another podcast talking about the weirdness. Uh, <laughs> You know, are you willing to deal with parents that come in? And and we talk about helicopter parents. We don't have those anymore. They're called lawnmower parents. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or luge parents. That's actually the name for them because they don't want their children to have any stress. Like they want to mow all resistance down in front of the child before that. We've had parents say, you need to think of us as our daughter's agent you can just communicate with us. I'm like, your daughter's 21 years old (laughs) and going to college. (laughs) Like, you need to... But that's you have to be willing to accept that. That's part of the reality of what we do. Um, You know, if you have a salon and somebody doesn't show up for 10% of the time, they probably don't have a job, right? Like, you're not going to keep someone on staff that misses every other Saturday. That would be bad. Yet here, it's unreasonable to expect a student to come to school for 35 hours a week maintain a job and raise a family and not miss time. That's an unreasonable expectation. Um, we always put a number out at graduation that if you go to college, you would be expected to take, at best, 15 credits a semester, right? That, that's, right, a, right, that's, right. A, that's a heavy load. That's a heavy load. load, right? right. That equates to 15 hours of classroom time every week. Right. My students, they're taking 35 hours of classroom time every week, and that's normal. They're doing five years of college in 12 months and people don't they don't think about that when they want to open up a school right. that the pressure for these guys to get done and get out in the industry is really high and they want it they don't want to spend five years in beauty school <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 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 they want to get out there but um, I, I always ask you know, what are you willing to do are you willing to spend the money are you willing to spend the time you're not going to be accredited for at least three years so do you have the cash to keep your business open? Are you being realistic? Um, and are you willing to deal with government oversight? Because at the end of the day, the federal government and the state governments micromanage the education side of the, re- the industry for a reason. There's a lot of bad apples out there, a lot of bad actors. Are you willing? You know, a lot of people right. that are entrepreneurs don't want any government oversight. Well, that's your if that's your type of entrepreneurialship. Don't open a school.
2: <laughs> so, don't apprenticeship program.
0: Five yeah, <laughs> <an apprenticeship program laughs> right. so yeah. students yeah. exactly. You mentioned okay. Now we're, now we're talking about you know all right, the state of Maryland. Uh, you have uh, I guess a prerequisite where you must teach them this particular um, platform, right? Right. Um, your school, uh, you know, and what I was impressed with in, in the beginning of our conversation is h- how much you believe in education. So, do you guys go up and, and above and beyond the the minimum? Because I, I think so many schools live at the at the basic minimum, and uh, but you guys somehow are just you know thriving way above that. I mean, what is that? That's you know, what is that like?
2: Well, we're. We're fortunate because, um, obviously being partnered with Paul Mitchell, we have a really good curriculum. So they do provide us that curriculum, but we also then have the opportunity to um, add things into that. So, for example, guest speakers. You know, we're very fortunate. Our future professionals get to have some pretty amazing guest Artist in our school Um, this year alone we've had John Mosley who's just an amazing barber, Uh, Wayne Clayball obviously co-founder of Palm Mitchell Schools but an amazing motivational speaker Uh, you know, Gino Stampora um, you know, we've had a lot from, from barbering to makeup artists to, you know, I look back in our doors and I think about the people that have been here. Um, you know, we had Ted Gibson in here. We've had Vivian McKender in here. Um, you know, our list goes on and on of some, some pretty amazing
3: wow. guest
2: speakers that have been here on a technical and inspirational, motivational level. We also then get the opportunity to have salons come in and they share Uh, All different, you know, technical skills. Um, So our guest artist days, I think, are really one of the things that kind of take us above and beyond. They also get opportunities outside of our doors. You know, we get to be partnered on things. We've done things like say yes to the prom dress where they've gone down and, you know, given their time and talent. Um, you know, fashion shows, we get to work backstage at hair shows again, coming back to that relationship with right. our distributor. Um, we get to send, you know, models, they get to work backstage, do hair, do makeup. So, a lot of those opportunities, um, Charles and I didn't just want to open up a school and just teach them how to do hair. We believe that it's a lot more than that. It's all about making those relationships while they're in these doors in that 1500 hours. So, I think. What has set us apart from everybody is, yeah, can you just be handed a curriculum and say, okay, here it is. But we are also constantly – that's an evolving curriculum. So our future professionals fill out surveys three times while they're in our doors. You know, what they liked, what they didn't like, what – um You know, who are their favorite guest artists? Uh, The great thing about this generation is they are very good at giving you feedback, (laughs) uh, whether you want to hear it or not. Uh, But it's been great because it has over the years shaped and changed our curriculum, uh, changed our guest artists, changed our opportunities. Um, So that is a big thing. And we read and we look at at all of those.
3: Right. That's awesome. What you described with that question was what's called teaching to the test which is, are you a school that just gets them ready for the state boards, or are you a school that's trying to get them out there involved in the industry and successful in the industry? And I think the days of teaching to the tests are are long gone. Uh, The federal government... Thank God. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. yes, but the government is coming back and saying, look, you guys are a career college. Your entire purpose of existence is to prepare these students to be successful in their careers. And if they're not successful in their careers, then there's no further reason for them to be. Why are you a school if you can't do that? And so, you know, we 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 have this thing called one foot in. It's just something we came up with where we ask all of our learning leaders to also maintain a presence behind the chair. A lot of learning leaders, a lot of educators, you hear the joke all the time that you know I'm a teacher because I can't. I'm not successful behind the chair, so I want this successful. Right, sure, sure. I want to be successful. Uh, I want a steady income. It's not that we insist. We've never really said you have to do it. But every one of our learning leaders also works as a stylist in the salon. So when they come in, they're bringing the world, world experience with them in the classroom. So they can say, hey, we're teaching you this, but let me show you the line, the direct line between this piece of classroom education and what's going to happen when you get behind a chair. And I'll show right. you why you had to learn this. Um, we teach financial information. Uh, not a lot of schools do that. It's incredible. We teach them about how, you know, this is an industry that's still heavily based in tips, and most hairdressers eat, drink, and smoke their tips away. So, how are you going to be successful and save money to buy a house if you don't understand fiscal management? There's benefits to that. That's incredible. Uh, not just that our students learn this stuff, but like we have one of the lowest default. believe it or not, the government tracks my graduates to see how many of them are defaulting on their student loans. And if a college has too many students default on student loans, they can lose the ability to offer federal aid. So every year we get what's called our three-year default rate. And it can't be above 25%. Ours has been at close to zero for the last two years, which means almost none of our students, <laughs> our graduates, are defaulting on their student loans.
1: So when you um, get that half percent, or you are like, oh. It still <laughs> hurts a little. Oh, that even hurts. My, my, yeah. well, my personal goal
3: is to keep it below five percent. But the, yeah, that's we started with. Like, dang, what am I, doing well, right? I uh, Who who is that one? And you feel like calling them? It's like, tell me who that one student exactly. was. Right. That one graduate. I need to call them up and find out if I can help them out. I'm going
1: right. okay, right, okay, to get my
3: loan. Right. Or maybe it. maybe they need a new maybe job. A job <laughs> right? Exactly. Hey, maybe we need to figure no. that out.
2: Maybe they
1: can be uh, educators.
3: Actually, I do want to hit on that real quick though, because that is one of the things that people don't realize. You know, we're very hands-on owners. We, we are on campus. You met us today because we're here. This is where we work. Our Annapolis campus, we're down there just as often. Um, we do know these graduates. I mean, all right. joking aside, we know where our graduates are. We stay in touch with them. We stay even 13 years later. If I do have a graduate that needs a new job or needs a new place to work... That's what we're here for. We'll, we'll make the connections for them and help them find another career path. And I think that's another key thing that separates Sharon and I from a lot of cosmetology school owners. Not only are we not just investors, we're on-site, hands-on owners. We have direct relationships with all of our students. You're building a culture. Yes. That's what right. they're yeah. doing. It's a, yeah.
1: a, a, a culture, a community. A, yes. uh, th- right. The word that kept coming to me was, you yeah. say culture, I say community. You know, It's like 13 years later, minute. they can come back and uh, they're there still. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. literally. I mean, speaking about DNA, we talked a little bit about that with Gino, but, you know, like their DNA is, particularly in this area, is super strong. Yeah. You know? That's crazy. Um, okay, so I, I kind of want to talk, like, uh, you are talking about how there's, a f- the, the education's forever changing, and you brought up financials, and, and I assume that that's a Charles and Sharon thing as opposed to a Paul Mitchell thing?
2: Um, Paul Mitchell gives you a couple vendors that you can work with, uh-huh. uh, but we had the opportunity to we saw an opportunity to bring uh, somebody in with a a curriculum that they were actually teaching at colleges as well at a college level and we kind of like that a little bit more but then we actually go into the classroom both of us and we do some business education and we talk about like some of the things we've talked about on this podcast about what it's like you know, if you want to get a loan, you know, the right. bank just doesn't hand out money for free. What does that process look like? What does it look like to create your own business? So, we do also mentor right.
3: them and we, we kind of share a little
2: bit of business with them as well.
3: I teach a class and literally call it literally called How to Be a $100,000 a year carpenter. Like, because everyone, for some reason, that's the magic number. I want to get <laughs> And it turns out it's really easy. Do about 75 bucks an hour in services. I mean, really, if you're at a 50% commission, if you can it. average about $75 an hour in billable. Services you'll make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Your cut, your cut. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what that's what you'll take home. And and you know when you say that when you break it down into little bite sized chunks, all of a sudden people start going, well, hey, I can I can, I can do, do that. I can do that. That's that's right. a couple colors and some waxing. And you know they start thinking outside of the box of I just don't need to be a hairdresser. I can. That's why we talk about you want to learn how to do, you want to learn how to wax. You want to learn how do now is you want to learn these things because when you have downtime you want to be able to say yes you never right. want to
1: say no that's right <laughs> nope. never say no okay so uh, uh, back to the future stuff so are back to the future I can't believe you just <laughs> <said
2: that>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow future professionals have no idea no what you're talking
3: like about no listening to this podcast has no, no idea, idea about what that about. What <laughs> that's
1: funny so um, so are you guys like teaching like uh, marketing through like Instagram and, and, and social media
2: type stuff so we have always uh, been involved in social media. And one of the things that's really great is that, uh, again, Charles and I talk about having our hands in things. Um, we have always uh, you know, been involved with the social media, what we're investing our money in. We saw that in the forefront. Um, and we actually teach branding and marketing classes to them. Uh, we have brand leaders here in our schools. Uh, we do marketing um you know instagram snapchat uh in fact charles and i just recently in the past two years have gone on um to do more professional speaking to the beauty industry where we actually go and we educate salons on understanding how are you going to work with this next generation coming out of school because we see some definite opportunities there uh, one of the main opportunities is social media sure. you know right now statistics show you that you know the the average student coming out of school today versus four years ago is growing 40% faster, and the reason that they're growing 40% faster is because of social media.
1: I'm, i i got to be honest. I'm shocked it's only 40%. I mean, that's a huge number. I'm sure it's There's probably nothing, bigger. You know yeah. what I mean? But, like, you see... I, I mean, we see it all the time. You know, we see the people that, that, that are active on Instagram or on 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 social media that, you know, they're just, they're booked up in no time. You know, it's like, you know, where, you know, the challenge when we were young was to, to fill that book within a couple of years. And now it literally can happen in months.
2: Well, one of the things literally. that's unique that we actually Damn do them. in the school is that the past couple of years, like we have to have, you know, the the ring lights and diva lights. In fact, one of the things we do in our school um, to encourage our, our future professionals to post their work and understand that importance mm-hmm. is not only just the classes, but we actually do social media rock stars repost of the week. So we actually, every week, we have our students, they post to our, our social channels. And then we have a committee that looks and we vote who our top social media rock stars are. And then we choose one person. And then what's really cool about it is not only do they get, you know, some kind of like a cool tool or prize, but they all get certificates and awards to recognize that. But I would tell you on a weekly basis in both of our schools, um, our students' work is picked up on a national level. So we repost to, whether it's our distributor, Cosmoprof, Paul Mitchell on a national, mm-hmm. actually a global level repost, um, Modern Salon, American Salon. We just actually, one of our um, soon-to-be graduates, just won out of 4,000 entries uh, behind the chairs one-shot contest. Again, wow. it was a, a color Impressive. that she did. She took the picture of the guest here on the clinic posted it up tagged it uh in fact two of the students made it to the final 25 were from our school and the the one that won out of four thousand. i wish they
1: could see sharon's face because she's gleaming we,
2: it's we are cool. we're so proud yeah, yeah we, we just so. we're really proud of them but because they learned that here in our doors that understanding that you cannot wait i mean even if the first haircut you do on a mannequin, we teach them. Like, put that up online. Be proud to share that you are a, a, a cosmetologist and you are in this industry because, you know, a lot of times people will say, Oh, it's so hard for me to go get a guest in a salon. And it's like, Well, I don't know. How many followers do you have? Like, you know, are you utilizing your social media to build your brand and your image to help your career? And they get that message from day one in these doors.
3: The other part of that is when we talk to salon owners, it's the concept of being a brand ambassador. This generation doesn't want to be your employee because they've spent their life building their personal brand. They have an online presence. And yet salon owners seem so threatened by that. They're like, well, they need to work for me and be mine. And I'm like, no, they don't want to do that. And it's not that they don't want to be in your environment, but they want to find a brand or a culture that fits them as a person, and then they wanna come join that culture, and then they wanna be your brand ambassador. They wanna hold up, we have kids who graduate, they go outside with signs, and they're so proud that they've either enrolled or achieved something, and they're telling everybody that the temple rocks.
0: Awesome! Yeah. Yeah.
3: I don't got to pay for advertising this week. I got 500 brand ambassadors that are absolutely passionate about the culture of what we do here.
0: They're passionate because you guys are passionate about education. I mean, obviously, it started when you know you wanted just five students in a in a, in a corner. You know what I mean? And you guys, you know, ended up with such a, a beautiful, beautiful school. And you know, your heart for for education and giving back. Um, you know, you could just look around and you can feel it
1: you know what i i didn't um i didn't mean for this to come full circle but you know the first thing that um that we talked about was that um you know they celebrate the wins you know and 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 within this hour you know we went from like the students on the floor celebrating the wins or these guys celebrating the wins with them to charles saying that they're out on the street what are they doing they're celebrating their wins right you know and what i mean even if that's just the core of what they're doing here i'd celebrate that one that that's amazing um yeah. As we wrap up here, guys, I mean, I am I'm super impressed with 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 with, with this, and um, I, I, I'm glad that we're kind of because we grew up here too, you know, so we're kind of <laughs> part of the same community. <laughs> I'm just I'm just really really um, happy that uh, that that you're part of our, uh, our our industry community as well as like you know practically neighbors. So, um, Charles and Sharon, thank you guys very very much for uh, joining us on your day off.
2: Perfect. Thank you.
0: Thank you.